Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and today I have a very special guest joining me. I have Dr. John Robb, who is a veterinarian of how many years? Dr. Robb, have you been a veterinarian? 32 years. Dr. 32 Becker. years. Uh, Dr. Robb, many of you know who he is. He is world famous as of this year. We'll explain why in just a minute. Before we talk about the trials and tribulations of what you've been through recently, John, let's back up and talk about... Um, life before controversy and let's talk about uh your background in terms of where you went to vet school and then the practices that you were involved with thanks karen i'd be glad to um i began i went to vet school at uc davis uh, from 1981 to 1985. Uh, excellent school uh, gave me a good education at least i felt at the time and um, then i did a one-year internship private practice internship in New Haven, Connecticut at New Haven Central Veterinary Hospital. Um, yeah, it's true, I've come in the public eye uh, more recently, but honestly, Karen, I've been um, fighting to be a veterinarian my whole career. Uh, you know, the drive for profits in veterinary medicine has really become a problem, especially with the advent of uh, companies like VCA and, and the Mars Company coming in and owning veterinary hospitals. These are businessmen, businesswomen. These are people that want to make profits but don't necessarily have the best interests of the pets involved. And unfortunately, the veterinary establishment, uh, the AVMA, AHA, uh, other organizations seem to be joining forces instead of putting their hands up and saying, we have a problem here. So, yeah. um, you know, ever since New Haven Central, my first experience was uh, my first night on uh, overnight where a dog was hit on the side of the road. It was a uh, brought in by the technician who left. It was in pretty bad shape. Uh, I was supposed to put it to sleep. That's what I was told if it's injured. But then it opened his eyes, it looked at me, I looked at him, and then I worked all night to save the dog's life. And then I was in big trouble in the morning because I had spent a lot of money and there was no owner. So I kind of knew at that point that it wasn't really about the pets. And uh, fortunately in that case, um, for the newspaper article, we found the owner. He reunited and sung the praises of New Haven Central. <laughs> so I was off the hot seat. And, uh, but I learned that, you know, there's a big thing about money here that supersedes our caring for the pets. Um, and from there, you know, it's been, it's been a problem all the way through, particularly the vaccine issue. Uh, many have come before me and understand uh, that we're over vaccinating pets and overdosing them. Um, but for whatever reason, now it's come to the limelight. Now, in terms of my, the reason I came to the limelight, Karen, it's because of the Mars Candy Bar Company. Um, I've owned and operated three veterinary facilities. The first was a standalone practice, which I sold to VCA. The second was a 24-hour uh, emergency care facility. And the third was a Banfield, a franchise. Um, Mars Candy Bar Company came in and bought Banfield. They're a very controlling company. They didn't want doctors making decisions. They wanted to tell doctors what to do. So they defranchised and they got rid of all 250 hospitals, but they played hardball. If you don't do what we say, we'll go after your license. And that's what they did to me, Karen. So back up, John, and talk about how did that process 
unfold. So first of all, you touched on so many issues. Part of the reason I, I knew I would be an integrated veterinarian. So I came out, I was the holistic doctor in a very conventional practice for a couple of years. Couldn't deal with that because on my day right. off Wednesdays, I would be treating my cancer patients integratively and they would come in, let's say for a little bit of nausea on my day off and they'd be vaccinated. So right. I, 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 I left that practice Terrible. because they were vaccinating Terrible. my cancer patients and I set up my right. own hospital, of course. But for those of us as veterinarians that don't have the ability to just up, get angry and set up their own practice, like I did, you many thousands of veterinarians are stuck using protocols that they don't personally believe in, but they are dictated. So how did this go down, John? How did yeah. how did this confrontation with right. with uh, over vaccines happen? Well, like you said, you know, I mean, I was taught coming out of vet school that, you know, Vaccines were good. I mean, you just vaccinated and presented, prevented disease, and that sounded great to me. But unfortunately, uh, I started to see um, side effects. Okay. I started to see anaphylaxis, and then I started to see more, more long-term sequelae. And I began to leave the veterinary uh, literature, like the JAMA, Journal of American Baby AMA, and I started to research on my own, and I came across, uh, you know, veterinarians who had been showing that vaccines caused a lot of serious side effects, including hemolytic anemia and cancer at the injection sites, et cetera, et cetera. So I had a problem now. I'm a veterinarian and I'm hurting my patients with these vaccines. So I decided to change things and I started lengthening the time between vaccines. And I started lowering my volume because it was very clear to me that the small pets could not handle the same volume as the big pets. So when I got to Banfield, um, and, and, you know, they, they're so into over vaccination, I put protocols in place to stop that. My protocol was, you know, smaller dogs received a lower volume. And also, um, we only gave one vaccine per visit. And also, I didn't give them all the vaccines they specified. So, so Mars then bought Banfield and they basically came in and they said, look, you know, we want your franchise back. In fact, we're buying all the franchises back because we control the doctors. So we're going to give you about a third of what it's worth and you're going to leave and maybe you can go open up another hospital. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I have 15 years left on my contract and you can't tell me how to practice veterinary medicine. That's my job. So get out. Well, they went ahead and, and took my franchise. They had me arrested um, and they did what they said they would do. They said, if I didn't go easy, they would report me to the state board because I was lowering my volume and they said it was against the law. And so they did. They reported me to the state board of Connecticut. And that was a whole other thing. They came with 10. I mean, between going back to uh, first, I had to go back and warn my clients because mm -hmm. they sent a letter out to all 5000 of my clients saying none of their pets were uh, protected. Yeah, protected. Yeah. And so they all had. And I knew all they needed to do was do a tighter test and they would show protection. So. I went back to warn my clients because they're still my clients of and those course. are still my patients. And so they put armed guards, armed guards in Gosh. front of the of all the pet smarts in Connecticut, two sets, one pet smart paid for, one Mars, and they made a big scene. They brought in doctors from other places, employees from other places, and they started to say I was making the scene when they created a big tumultuous situation to say to the police officers, this guy's nuts. So the first time they handcuffed me to a stretcher and took me to the psych ward. The oh, second time I went back, they they arrested me, and um, you know, and I'm just trying to hand out literature to do a titer and not revaccinate the dog without doing that because I knew my pets were protected. I had done titers and I knew it. So, you know, 
it ended up in uh, in court, in federal court, and they lied to the judge, said, oh, we were offering titers. They did everything they could not to do a titer. They injured so many pets. Some died because they revaccinated all of them. That's how they wanted to cover up the crime. In other words, I was vaccinated correctly, and they didn't want anybody to see that their pets had immunity. So this fight with Mars, and then in front of the state board, and this was the craziest thing. I brought in all the scientific articles to my state board in Connecticut, and they told me that they didn't care about science. This is, these are veterinarians. They don't care about science. I broke the law, and so even if I have to kill my patient, I have to obey the law. I said, you guys are crazy. I mean, you're crazy. What are you saying? But this is the state of where veterinary medicine has gotten to, where we have a mandated rabies law where we could take a simple blood test and find out that they don't need the shot. And we veterinarians are in bondage now, yep. forced to injure our patients. And then you got Mars coming in that trying to control veterinarians as their resource. I mean, Karen, I thank God that you're standing up. I thank God other veterinarians are standing up because most veterinarians want to do the right thing, but they're scared to death yeah. about their license and yeah. repercussions. Oh, and rightfully know? so, John, they have made a glaring, they promised they would make an example of you and they did. But John, right. the, the silver lining in the horrific circumstances that you've been through is that as integrative practitioners, we've been screaming for 20 right. years, we're overdoing right. it, no one's listening. In fact, they think we're, you know, they think all of us are crazy, crazy nut jobs because we're right. preaching titers. And the most right. interesting thing about titers is that you remember going to vet school. I was vaccinated uh, at 13 years of age for rabies because I was a wildlife rehabilitator. When I went to vet school, they titered me. They said, no, 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 you've already been vaccinated. You have to be titered. <laughs> I said, okay, so you'll titer me, but we won't extend the same courtesy to dogs and well, cats. That's right, because they're different, right? Dogs and cats are different than people. So it, goes, it comes back to the almighty dollar. But honestly, the silver lining is you have affected change, Dr. Rob. You, your case, as painful as this entire thing has been, you are affecting change. And for that, I am forever grateful. Talk to me about some of the amazing things that have happened out of this really public case of you standing up and saying, I am not going to, I am not going to harm animals. I took an oath right. not to, and I will not. What has happened out of your out of your difficult circumstances? What are some of the benefits that you are now seeing coming into place? Thanks, thanks, Karen. Yes, well, you know, my wife and I um, actually started the Protect the Pets movement in 2006. We took all our retirement money and we put it into the movement. It was never to make money, but it was to bring morality back into veterinary medicine. So that was good because I had a track record going into this of already trying to stand up for the rights of the pets and the people who own them and the veterinarians, okay? Yeah. Uh, and so basically what's come out of it is um, I've gotten onto a worldwide uh, screen, meaning because I won't, you know, because I was willing to put my license on the line mm -hmm. and, my, and my, all my resources to do what I love best, which is being a veterinarian and protecting my patients. Uh, this has become a movement of the heart. Mm -hmm. And what's happened is people are joining me. And I don't look at it as me at all. I look at it as you, Karen, and all the people who have been fighting these issues mm -hmm. for years, mm -hmm. finally getting to a tipping point that we're working together. But what's happening is, you see, the people were isolated. The people whose pets were being injured and dying were isolated and they had no voice. And they'd been told that it wasn't the shot, even though four hours after the shot my pet is blind and seizuring and he was fine going in it wasn't the shot it just was epilepsy coming on or when they started bleeding internally and then it was hemolytic anemia it wasn't the shot 
or when there were tumors right on the right hip where they got that injection. It wasn't the shot, you know. But now they had somebody who was visible in the public saying it was the shot. Mm -hmm. And so they've come on board to tell their stories because, as you know, Karen, it's not legally required for veterinarians to report adverse events and therefore there's no real log of it. So those in the veterinary establishment, the AVMA, AHA, and those associated with it, just want to say, I mean, there was a veterinarian testifying in the legislature when we're proposing this bill in Connecticut, who said, I never heard of a vaccine reaction. I know. I mean, this is a veterinarian. I know. So, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, you know what I wanted to do, which I didn't do, but the point is, now the people are coming forward and now we can see the evidence. Mm -hmm. You, the people, are the ones that are driving this change because you have had enough and we veterinarians like Karen and myself and others are going to work with you to amend the rabies law and bring morality back into a profession go wrong and people like Mars the candy bar company who think they could come in and victimize your pet for profits are going to be rudely awakened because we the people control them yeah. because we spend the money and exactly. we decide where we're going to spend it. That's right. See? So, so we have the power here. We just have to unite. Right. That's the bottom line here. And we are uniting now. And you have seen some, you have seen, you're, you have seen ripples, drops turn into little ripples, which are turning into really big waves of, of people listening, paying attention. You are bringing, you're doing a great job of bringing to light uh, the elephant in our, the elephant in the room in our profession. Right. Right. Uh, and people are finally paying attention. Now, of course, this is vac the vaccine issue is one of the most hotly debated topics in veterinary medicine. Right. But you right. hit the nail on the head. It's the people spending the money. Uh, right. People have a choice over where they spend their dollars when it comes there to veterinary go. medicine and how they spend, how they choose to spend their money, whether they do a tighter, whether they go to a different veterinarian, whether they choose to associate, let's say, with a corporately run veterinary practice that has protocols that they will not budge on. So right. pet parents, are in complete control of how they're going to participate even passively by how you're spending your money. So Dr. Rob, give us some suggestions. If people if people have been through the pain of a vaccine reaction and keep in mind, Dr. Rob hit the nail on the head. This could be this is everything from acute anaphylaxis, which means I have had uh, I have had pa patients, clients that have brought home a puppy, there was a free vet visit included with the purchase of their puppy, and those puppies of anaphylaxin died on the table, and veterinarians say it has nothing to do with the vaccine, it just, I mean, it's, it's asinine, it's asinine. Well, Karen, let me just say one thing about anaphylaxis, you know, just to show you how much this is being covered up. The 2005 study, which I know you're aware of, back adverse events within the first 72 hours of vaccines with dogs, okay? Um, you know, one of the chief investigators in that was uh, Karen Font, who's also one of the medical directors at Banfield, okay? Now, they, they showed that reactions were higher for smaller pets and multiple vaccines caused more reactions. But in the end, they concluded that vaccines were safe. What they didn't include in the study, which because I had her under deposition in a court of law, I said to her, why didn't you include in your study the dogs that died of anaphylaxis? Certainly that was within the first 72 hours, and I'm telling you her jaw dropped because it turns out that there were six animals that mm -hmm. died of anaphylaxis, mm -hmm. and they didn't put them in the study, yeah. and they concluded they were safe. I mean, this is, this is just... This is just, um, I mean, it's beyond me it is. That, that, that they could do that and conclude they're yep. safe when animals died, you know? So, so we, we're, we're on a mission here. It is we the people, 
we do choose where we stand and people have to stand up for too long people felt they had no power yes and i understand it when they were just one but we're not just one anymore we are a worldwide movement we've had veterinarians join the movement um certainly pet owners joining the movement and just humanitarian people joining the movement so we're not stopping mm -hmm. this i mean every even while we're doing this conversation you and i both know there's pets out there that are being injured or dying and giving injections they don't need right this minute mm -hmm. there is no time to waste folks lives depend on education encouraging each other and taking action steps action mm -hmm. steps mm -hmm. contacting your legislators uh, you know if you look me up on facebook john Robb, uh, i'm trying to keep it centralized but we have people we have now 20 states protect the pets new york protect nice. the pets Iowa nice. and people are right where we've got organization we're putting together the science so we can quickly go off to a legislator we're, we're, we're not just sitting here speaking but we're taking action steps towards changing the amended rabies law so first we have to educate educate legislators educate pet owners mm -hmm. unsuspecting pet owners that are heading in for a shot that can kill their pet mm -hmm. somebody's got to hand them a pamphlet and say listen We've got a problem here. Yeah. You got, we got to reach those people. And then they have to become part of this movement. And I so appreciate, Karen, you recognizing, I mean, that where my heart is and allowing us to work together on your program and people like Rodney, the wonderful man from Canada, who developed that video that went to almost 20 million people. Yeah. You know, we, we have the power, but we have to stay united. It's not about political parties, race, it's about the pets. Right. Everybody owns them, and right. everybody needs to put all their differences aside and keep on target here to amend the rabies law. That's the deal. So, Dr. Rob, is the best place for people to go to get more information? Is it your website, Facebook page? Where's the? How can people Listen, learn more? I, I, first of all, I put out my phone number two zero three seven three one four two five one. You can call me. You can go to my email which is on my website. I have a website called protectthepets.com. You can contact me my email. You can go to Facebook and you can just get involved with a thread. Say, Dr. Rob, call me. I mean, people think that I'm so popular that I can't talk to people. Baloney. This movement is about you and I want to talk to you and I want to know what your situation is because you're no bigger than me. I'm no bigger than you. We work together and I need to hear people's voices to see their situations, to see what their talents are, yeah. and see where they want to be part of the movement. So contact me any way you can. There are other people involved, like yourself, Karen, who you know will take part of the load in terms of taking that information and, and putting into a precise, powerful uh, force to amend the rabies law. That's what we're going after first, because yeah. once we make that crack, once we crack into that veterinary establishment, and we show that we, the people, uh, control veterinary medicine yeah there's 200 million of us right there's 40,000 of right. them right we, we control it and we, we are capable and we are capable of pet parents of making wise decisions yes. for the animals we're caring for we are in we are the decision makers for the animals in our homes it's not your veterinarian's choice it's your choice you, you, you you're the parent so, and the other big point I think that we need to make here is, guys, a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you're anti-vaccine. Guys, there's a huge difference between 
over vaccination and protective vaccines. So we are not talking about never vaccinating your pet for anything ever. We're talking about wisely protecting with minimal, a well-made choice for protection for puppies and kittens, and then tightering for a lifetime after that. Perfect. Uh, and I think it's really very important to make that distinction because people say, oh my gosh, you know, you're know, you saying never vaccinate your dog and cat for anything. All these diseases will come back. Guys, there's a big difference between protective immunity and toxicosis. And what Dr. Rob is talking about is that you don't have to bring your dog or cat in every year for nine vaccines. They don't magically wear off at midnight on December 31st. And some of right. these vaccines are substantially more toxic than others. And so it right. is your job to know enough about what we're discussing to be able to make the best decisions for the animals you're caring for. But if your veterinarian refuses to respect your opinion and your vantage point, find a new vet, right, Dr. Rob? Yeah. Karen, you're, you're right on, and I'm glad you brought in that point about um, we're not anti-vax. We're not. The job of the veterinarian is to vaccinate to produce immunity mm -hmm. with the smallest volume and the smallest number of vaccines to produce that immunity. Yep. Once the dog is immune, we're done. We're done. So that's all we're saying is once yep. they've developed immunity, easily measured by a titer, I'm sticking with rabies, parvo, and distemper. Yep, that's what I'm bet. sticking with, those three. Yep. Uh, once we have the titer, they're immune. And, and I was speaking, as you know, I know you've had Dr. Schultz and you've done a wonderful job of bringing key people together. But I spoke, was speaking with Dr. Schultz yesterday and uh, he's helping us. He's in favor of the titers, as you know, and uh, he's been trying to get this forward for, for a long time. And he pointed out to me that rabies is the worst of all the vaccines in terms of toxic reactions. Okay. okay? So even more important to to pinpoint the rabies, you know, many veterinarians are now doing distemper parvo titers and then not vaccinating. It's about 20% or 25%, but it's a substantial number. But many owners, like you said, they go into the vet right now and they ask for a titer and the vet says, it's illegal for me to draw a rabies titer. I That's know. what they tell them. I know. Or, or, or it's 500 bucks, right? They make it so economically well, painful. That's it. And you go and you, you know, I'm trying to, Right now I have a special called a special, but basically um, I'm charging $32 for a rabies yeah. titer and the, and the 454 for all four, anybody who can get the, now some people have gone to their vet and they'll draw the blood for $6 and 50 cents and other people it's $65. I... So find a vet that's going to be reasonable yes. and I'll help you in that area. But the, 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 the price will come down yes. as it becomes a standard. We yep. know that. Yep. Supply and demand. And that's know, an so. awesome. So I just wanna I just wanna highlight again. So what Dr. Rob is saying is that you can do a parvo uh, parvo distemper and rabies titer together for what's the cost, Dr. Rob? Fifty four dollars. That's amazing. That's amazing. So at this point, that's awesome that you have worked together to get the price down to that point. At this point, guys, it's so well worth spending your latte fund on your tighter fund right now, um, because $54 is a very small price to pay to ensure that your, protect, that your pets are protected without offering any additional toxicosis. So that's brilliant, and that's wonderful, um, because all the veterinarians say, well, it's $500, not through you, Dr. Rob. So uh, for anyone that's looking to complete this blood test that measures previous immunity, um, check out Dr. Rob's Facebook page, website, um, uh, as well as I think that you, you actually ha are doing a lot of other interviews with a lot of other platforms, which is wonderful. You're doing everything you can to get the word out. Well, that, you know, that's the key is to reach people and educate. And, uh, this, this is over when we reach that key number of people, yep. Karen, yep. and, uh, your program is going to add a big segment to that population because of your popularity, um, in terms of people trusting you. And, and that's why I thank you for having me on the show because that trust that they have for you 
hopefully will extend to me and we can continue together to educate, encourage, and take action yeah. so that we pass this law. And yes, veterinarians, you know, they, unfortunately, some are, you know, let's face it, each person needs to be judged based on themselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't classify veterinarians. We know there's some vets who own hospitals who don't know how they're going to survive if the rabies isn't mandated. Yep. We know there's the corporate ones who don't care mm -hmm. and just want to drive people in the door. But we have mostly associate veterinarians who are in bondage to the system. Yep. That's really the problem. You're right. And we want to free them to practice veterinarian from a heart perspective. That's what this movement is about. Lots of layers, Karen. I mean, look at the suicide rate, Karen, exactly. in veterinary medicine. Yep. It's crazy. It Four is. Times, I mean, it is. Because because they have to go against their heart and yep. injure animals. I mean, this is this is inhumane. This yeah. is, I just can't, I mean, it blows my mind when I really think that you have these innocent creatures and somebody knows what they're doing and allows us to continue, but we the people are gonna stop it and it stops now. I appreciate your passion, Dr. Rob. I appreciate, I am heartbroken over your previous circumstances, but the, but the beautiful universal gift is out of these, out of this difficulty professionally, you have opened this topic wide open to which I am forever thankful because it's something that I'm not sure would have happened without this cataclysmic events of you going nose to nose and toe to toe with your state boards and then going nationwide and wide and now worldwide in bringing attention to this critically important topic. So I appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, well, I want to say one last thing about the worldwide. You know, it is worldwide, Karen, because we, we may set the standards in this country and then other countries adopt them. And there's pets in Belgium and the Netherlands and, and Japan and all these places where we want to reach all of them too. So I just want the viewers to know I don't care what country, I mean, we'll start protect the pets, you know, England, protect the pets, France. We are going to go wherever pets are being victimized and the pet parents, and we are going to set them free. That's what this is all about.